Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying Increase of Our Reality, I'd really appreciate it if you could drop a review or a rating and I'll give you a shout out on the show. While you're at it, come join the Telegram group and follow the show on Instagram and across social media. If you'd like to support the show, check me out over on Patreon for early access to Inquiries of Our Reality and Big Dumb Inquiries, which is the Swapcast show I co-host with Kyle Rainey of the Big Dumb Podcast. If you'd like to pick up some merch, come check out the merch store. If you want to help me out to upgrade my equipment and pump out even more awesome content for you guys, come donate over on Anchor or Kofi. And last but not least, if anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic they want covered, or you feel you have something to contribute to the show, send me an email at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. All the links I mentioned are in the show description. Just tap or click the Linktree link to be directed. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate you, and I couldn't be doing this without you. Now enjoy the show. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the now 46th episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. Today, I have with me Matt T. from The Great Deception. How's it going, man? Good, man. How you doing? Glad to finally make you could be on the show because I feel like you've been bouncing around for a minute trying to trying to get this figured out. Dude, between between reschedules and kids and uh, life is just dude, life is like moving at warp speed right now. It's like it, weeks just fly by then months just I mean, we're almost at the end of June right now. And I'm like, where has half this year gone? Dude, right. And especially with kids, too. And you see them grow up so fast. And then, you know, being another podcaster that has kids, it's just like, your time goes by so fast between trying to take care of a family and also trying to do your podcast. But like we were saying before the show, it's all worth it as long oh, as you're yeah. having fun. And it's just, it's just prioritizing, right? I mean, you make time for both and it makes for some late nights, but Hey, if you're enjoying it, why not? Hey, in a sense, it's like your podcast is like another one of your kids. Cause you just want to see it flourish and grow. Very true. And it's a pain in the ass sometimes too. So yeah, it, it, it's very comparable. So uh, for people that haven't heard your show before, why don't you give them a brief description about what your show is, what you do? Yeah, I kind of have two shows um, under the Great Deception podcast. I have the, the Great Deception podcast itself, and then I have Monday Night Master Debaters. And I started with the Great Deception podcast, and it's kind of a alternate history 
get into a little bit of politics, um, but more uh, the great deception, right? It, I'm trying to pull back the curtain and show people that we've been repeatedly lied to over and over. And a lot of what you believe to be true is nothing more than indoctrination. And so, and, and that's the purpose of that show. So I do a lot of deep dives in that, you know, usually an hour and a half to any to two and a half hours on some of them. Um, and I go real deep into a specific topic. I usually get into like themes also. I'm, I'm very OCD. So when, when I get into a topic, uh, if I find something along that line that interests me, I like to do it. So right now I'm into like a government tyranny, uh, m- I guess, motif, you would say. And I did like the 1921 uh, Tulsa riots, uh, the 1985 uh, Philadelphia bombing, uh, the, the War of 1812 and things like that. And then I just did the, uh, the Buffalo Massacre of the 1800s. So it's all exposing the government, you know, how, how they've brutally killed not only their citizens, but massive amounts of Buffalo to, to get rid of citizens. So anyone that thinks your government's out there to, uh, to, to save you and support you, you might want to think twice about that. I feel like we're so far down the line too, that it's like almost undeniable. And anybody that is denying it is purposefully denying it. And they just don't want to look at the bigger picture because it's you can't look away it's like imp- I, I from the perspective i'm in and i'm sure f- same for you it's like hard to see it any other way than the way we see it oh without a doubt yeah i just I, I laugh at it now because it's so comical after once you're able to see the game that they're playing and and that you know what they're doing is is really it is it's a game they're playing and and we are the pawns in the game and it's hilarious to watch them do what they do and how many people just buy it hook, line and sinker, you know, they, they, up, up government they've, and what it, what it is, you know, Shane, what they've done is through the education system, through indoctrination, you know, they've, they've programmed and trained people not to question authority, to, to listen, trust your government, You know, just believe what you're told on the news um, and trust these respected authorities. Right. And and that's where you get into trouble when you just believe and take other people's word for it and don't do any work on your own side. You've left yourself wide open to, you know, to to anything at that point. And and that's what I tell people. I'm like, listen, man, you want to you want to be successful in this you have to take care of yourself because nobody else is. And once you get your house in order and once you get yourself strong and able to defend yourself, then you can think about defending others. But until then it's useless. It's futile. So there's a lot of different phrases too, that fit in with what you said, like curiosity killed the cat is another example. Like think about how many quotes there are that have been indoctrinated into our method of thinking that make it seem like it's a bad thing to think outside of the box when realistically, like nothing gets done unless you have people that think outside of the box because everything we have now only exists because somebody with a brain that functions differently than other people's came up with this weird concept of this new device or this new thing. So it's like, if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have anything. So I don't get why they push that message so hard. Or it's something in school that I've kind of noticed too, where they will kind of catch the kids early that have 
abilities that will be useful. And then they kind of push them down a different path than they would like the rest of the kids. Yep. Oh yeah. They, I feel like they try to retard any special abilities whatsoever. Um, you can see I, that I just, with them getting rid of like electives and stuff in school. Cause realistically, I feel like electives are really where you really learn what you want to do and how you want to go about your life. And if they take those away and only have the core classes, like they're getting rid of anybody actually having any kind of idea what they may even want to go to college for. And they're taking away any opportunity to learn a, 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 a tangible skill. True. Right? Cause you can it, take that stuff with you where like geometry, you stop doing it. You're never, you're not going to remember how to do it. Well, and, and they can tell you it's an A or B or an answer. Right. And that's that they get you pigeonholed into that with, with, you know, all the education system where, like you're saying with the electives, where with the home ex, the wood shops, the, the auto shop, you know, all those classes, those things, man, those are, you know, those are things that can take you on in life, no matter what happens, you know, and, and that's, and they're steering people away from that for a reason, right? They, they want you dependent on the system. And if you can, you know, be independent and have no need for the system, well, that makes them useless. And, and that's the last thing that they want is to be deemed useless because once that happens and their charade is revealed that we really don't need them. Oh man, it's, it's going to be an ugly scene. Even on a smaller level too, you see it with technology and like cars that they'll try to make them as complicated as possible now so that people can't work on them at home. Well, that's it's the done intentionally yeah. even by the car Computers. companies. Yeah, because they yep. want you to come back to them so that they get paid for any time there's even a small issue with your car. Like even batteries now, you got to like lift up the car, take off the wheel, pull off some more shit, and then you could finally slide the battery out where the average yep. person would do that in two seconds if it was up in the top of their car like they used to be. But now they make them complicated so that it's like, Headlights. People don't want to do that shit. <laughs> how, how hard is it to change a headlight now? I mean, there's some vehicles you can't. You have to have a specific tool to be able to change a headlight. Even doing yeah. an oil change, they've made that almost impossible yep. too. Even for people that have been doing their own oil changes for years. And 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 man, that's all intentional, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny because we we laugh about this shit, but they've been saying that there's been smart people that have been saying this for a while, that this is coming and that, that this is, and anyone that doubts that this is what they're doing, that they are doing this, you know, for our benefit is it's laughable. You know, this is not for our benefit. This is a, so they can make more money and B so they can gain more control. If, if your vehicle is electric and runs strictly on computers that can be controlled from anywhere. Yeah, and they can, can say sh- nobody drives today and they can just mash shut down all cars for the day if they wanted to. Yeah. Well, and what can they do? They can they can tell everywhere you've been. Mm-hmm. You know, they can they can tell how much you drive, right? They can they could they could tax you on your miles without without they know how much you're driving. Um, there's so many things that they can do with this that it's just not a good thing. And, but we've seen it, you know, and I hate to give him credit, but Trump called this, you know, in his, mm-hmm. in the debates and in his rallies, he was saying Biden was going to give us six, seven, eight dollar oil, you know, gas per gallon. And they're going to want you to go to electric vehicles. They're going to want you to get rid of your cars. And that's what they're pushing right now is these electric vehicles, which I don't know. I find interesting. The whole, the whole thing is interesting. If you think about it right now with, you know, the, the thing that everybody has to focus on and and the key to all this right now is the diesel fuel price and if you pay attention to that that's going to be the indicator of where things go because once that gets too high that's going to when shit's going to really get interesting 
Yeah, because people don't take into consideration that like the food issue we're currently having, like all those trucks that are transporting that food run off diesel fuel. So diesel fuel is also playing a huge factor in the whole food shortage concept. Yeah, and but the the real problem there is is not the 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 fuel price, it's shortage in drivers. Yeah, that too. Because a lot of those people are driving their own trucks. It's not even like they're company drivers. Yeah, I because I live in a in a rural area, and uh, actually one of the parents on my my son's baseball team is uh, a farmer, and that's what he says. He goes, "Listen, there's going to be an issue, and it's not going to be because I can't produce enough." He goes, "It's because I can't get it off my farm and get it to the stores." He goes, "There's not enough drivers." He goes, "I'll order a truck, and normally it would take 24 hour. You know, I got to give him 24 hours notice. Now it's minimum." you know, 72 hours before I can get somebody there. And, and if I get somebody there, it's not even to say it's somebody good anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's why I try to keep shit local, man. Like I, I usually go to like farmer's markets and I buy from like all the farmers locally directly. And it seems yep. like there's no, again, like you said, no food shortage in that aspect. No. Like I go to the farmer's markets, everything's stacked fucking full by the yep. last hour or so they're selling like full cases of things for like a dollar. Yep. Um, like, so yeah, yeah, it's not there. Just people need to get into the whole concept again. And that's the nice local. part about being where I am. Like there's, you know, I have a little, I mean, it's more expensive, but it's worth it, you know, to get fresh produce right from the farm, to get beef, you know, straight from the butcher, uh, things like that, that are, you know, it's worth the extra price now. I mean, with inflation, it's getting insane. I mean, when you're looking at, 20 to 30 dollars for a pound of steak i mean that's not many people can afford that so i don't know they're pushing everybody to eat bugs (laughs) dude yeah yeah i actually i saw something today that uh our good friend bill gates is getting uh his some of his acquisition of some farmland in montana is getting investigated um because there, there's some laws over there about how uh, corporations can't own farmlands and they bought up a half of a potato farm or something over there. So, dude, just him trying to buy up farmland completely sketches me out. Not even off the fact of just who he is. Actually, I guess it partly plays into who he is, but his whole thing back in the 90s is that he'd go and buy all these like software companies and he would pretty much destroy them so that yep. they wouldn't, you know like take over his company or they'd make him become part of his company. Mm-hmm. So just considering how he's trying to decrease the population. Uh, the other thing that super sketches me out is that he's trying to make some synthetic baby formula, which I would never fucking give my kid in a million years, but just like looking at his track record, like you can't tell me he's trying to do any different with this farmland. Like if they're trying to shut down all of these farms already, all these cattle are dying randomly as they quote say all the chicken facilities are getting burned down like you can't tell me that anything that bill gates owns wouldn't be any different because he's purposefully trying to do this shit because if you create scarcity you can jack up the price and that's his that's his method of thinking as far as i'm yeah concerned. i think a lot of it though is just fear porn it's just they put it out there to to get it in our head to think that way because when i was looking at it i mean he owns two hundred forty thousand acres of farmland which i mean that's a lot of farmland right i mean but in the scheme of things, when you think about overall land, there's so much more land, 240,000 is a blip in, in things. And, you know, I feel like a lot of times these videos come out at certain times to drive, like you're saying, to drive the prices higher, to drive the idea of scarcity in there, to sell it to people beforehand. So when it happens, like, oh, I told you so. Well, yeah, I've been but- saying false scarcity about the food thing all ever since people started first talking about it. Cause again, like you were saying, like there's no issue with farmer's markets or anywhere else. It's no. only in the grocery store. It's, it's false no, scarcity and, 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 to try to jack yeah, up the price on shit. 
it's big time shit, right? And it's it's all the stuff you don't want to eat anyway, right? It's all the stuff in the middle of the grocery store, the 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 packaged food, all that shit. That's what you're finding shortages of. It's not the produce and the meat. Yeah, the price went up. There's not shortages. And and like you say, if you stay local, you'll find a lot more abundance than if you you know listen to CNN and all that crap. That's just gonna push the fear porn out there. Yeah, I try to do that as much as possible too, even just for the aspect of like the whole shrinkflation concept that we've been going through where, you know, they'll keep the price the same, but the quantity will go down like crazy and they'll do yep. it so minimally at a time that people don't notice it until you sit back and look at a box of cereal and realize that it went down six ounces, you know, because they'll yep. each round they put out, they'll bring it down one. So it's like even just buying local, at least you know what you're getting. And you know that those people aren't like trying to make the box a different shape or something. So it looks like the same amount, but realistically, it's way less food than what you yeah. are used to getting for the same. And price. what is that? That's all deception, man. And that's what this whole thing's about. Right. And that's what my podcast is about, is that they've done shit to deceive us over and over again. And we keep going back for more. Right. We just mm-hmm. keep letting them make more laws. We just keep allowing them electing these people while well, electing. I mean, we don't elect anyone. They're selected. But participating in these elections where these people, you know, they just keep over and over. They do nothing for us. They tell you they're going to do stuff for us when they campaign. But then as soon as they get in office, they do the exact opposite or whatever the hell they want. And never do we really push back or pay attention it's just like oh okay that's what they're doing until it gets to a hot button point where it's then it's like a breaking point thing you know and i don't know i, I feel like I, people have gotten weak too on top of that too where you know the revolution started over a two percent tax on tea and we have way more shit going on and now anybody's really doing too much about it but it's one of those things too that you have to like rise as a crowd because if there's only like three people standing up trying to make a difference like it's not going to do anything until you have good amount of people backing it up because otherwise you're just going to get labeled as like a domestic terrorist and you're just going to end up getting locked up anyways well life's too comfortable for too many people right they don't want their paradigm shattered and and they live well and you know what so i don't care if johnny down the street's struggling tough shit that's his that's his problem you know and that's the way a lot of people look at it and that's it's not until it comes to people's doorstep do they react for the most part and at that point, it's usually too late because once you have to react, it's it's over. So you want to be proactive and, and get it before it gets to your town, you know, and I mean, it's normalized and it's like promoted to be like cutthroat, too. So people already have that concept from work and from the rest of their life that like you want to be better than the next person standing next to you, which I'm not saying that that's always a bad thing because it just it promotes people to do better and become better. But at the same time, though, it's like you get so far into that concept that people are used to seeing people get shit on all the time. So then they stop caring about their neighbors and other people around them. And they're only worried about themselves where it's like you kind of have to get a balance between both where you care yeah. about yourself and promote yourself and do your own thing. But at the same time, though, like if somebody is struggling next to you and it's somebody that wants help and is actually trying versus like somebody that's just sitting there trying to like panhandle, for example, like, you know, if it's, it's not a bad, if you have the means to help somebody out without hurting yourself, like people need to get into the mentality of actually going back to doing things like that. Yep. Oh yeah. A little bit goes a long way, you know, and, and you, you never know how you can turn somebody's day around, right. With a small little gesture, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you got an extra $5 in your pocket. You never know 
who, you know, giving that five hours to could change their day. You know, nowadays, maybe not so much. Maybe it has to be 10 or 20 bucks. But hey, you know, you, you know, I, I see those videos like, you know, people going around and sliding $20 bills in a box of diapers and shit like that. And it's, you know, it's things like that that go a long way because you never know who you can really help out. And, and, and that's, you know, it's just little things. It's, it's caring about your neighbors. Like you're saying, like, give a shit about where you live, you know, care about the people around you say hi to people, you know, that's, it's very simple. You don't have to do anything crazy, but just, you know, be part of the community. Dude, even on like a smaller scale, uh, do you have Myers in your state? Yeah. You know, how they have that horse up in the front or it's like a penny to ride it. Yep. So I, I don't keep my pennies anyway. So every time I have them at Myers, I'll like take my pennies and I'll leave them on that for kids that walk up. And I've had good handfuls of people thank me for doing that. And it's just something so small, but you know, you can make a kid's day just by leaving a penny that you're not going to use anyways on, oh, yeah. you know, like the horse in the front of Meyer. <laughs> Perfect example, my man. Yeah, that's, a, that's exactly it right there. Small things like that. Just, you know, you never know that. And that kid, that kid is going to remember that for, for a long time that, Hey man, I got to ride that horse. And, you're responsible for it. I always see people like leave baskets and stuff. And I've used it a couple of times for like my daughter and I don't have change on me. So it's like one of those like giving you receive kind of concepts where it's mm -hmm. like, I make sure I always do it because there's always been a good amount of time that people have done it for my daughter too. And it's made her day. So, you know, I'm always about trying to like, especially in the messed up world we live in nowadays, like anything I can do to try to make somebody's childhood better like i want to do it even if it's something small like that because stuff like that goes way farther with kids than it would like an adult you know oh yeah yeah man i i love working with kids you know that's that's my uh i work in the business world during the day so anytime i can go you know coach one of my son's teams or yeah i used to you know uh do baseball training on the side uh when i in my past life and uh you know, I'd work with kids from T-ball up to college kids. And that was, you know, the, the best job ever because I got paid to do things that I loved. I mean, I love going to work with these guys and just teach them the game and teach them, you know, do, do different training and push them a little bit and watch them get out of their comfort zone. And you need that more today because kids are getting too comfortable with nothing, you know, just being average. Or just being on a screen too, where they're not doing hands-on things anymore. Like it's awesome that there's still people around that want to coach baseball and things like that. Cause it's just, again, helping the kids out where they're not so focused on a screen because they have other options of things to do. Yep. Because there's not enough of that. I feel like there's a lot of after-school programs that got shut down after COVID and stuff. Uh, there's a lot of leagues that got shut down after COVID. So it's like, it's definitely important that we need to make sure that we reinforce that because it's something that'll help the next generation you know, more than we think it will, because again, it'll teach them camaraderie. It'll teach them how to do physical activities where they'll get used to doing that rather than just sitting behind a screen doing something. Yep. And that promotes a lifetime of like good health, of course, too, for somebody, if they're used to being like a physically active kid, it'll translate to them being an adult where they'll do the same, hopefully. Yep. We need more of that, man. <laughs> Speaking of our kids too, and government control. So Weird thing that I've noticed, uh, I don't know if you were ever on WIC or any type of like government assistance programs, but when I first had my daughter, um, which was like seven years ago, she she's about to turn seven, uh, we used it to get baby formula and that was like all we really used it for. So now with the whole like the way the government's going now, we keep getting these random cards that they'll send us from all these different new organizations they're starting where it's supposed to be for help on food, help on this, help on that. And like it's a control thing, of course, because then it's like, you need the government in order to be able to feed your family. But it's like, I'm so against it that like, 
I, I look at it from the perspective of they're trying to take more control and I don't want any kind of free government handouts because once they do that, that's more power they have over me. Cause I know even like with WIC, they all of a sudden wanted to be able to like see how much you make. They want to see this. They want you to give them this information. And I wasn't trying to have any of that. So I don't know if you've received anything, but what, what's your view on that? Why do you think that they're pushing these extra, um, I, I guess they could be considered government organizations, but government projects, whatever you want to call them now yeah, just, more so than bait. ever, you know, it's bait. It's like you're saying, it's to lure you in. And once they get you in the system, it's tough to get out, you mm-hmm. know, and, and a lot of people get comfortable with the system and that's what they're really trying to do. They're trying to normalize it and get you comfortable with what they feel is acceptable living. And, and, and those standards are a lot lower than the standards they would have for themselves. And, I uh, tried to do some volunteer work at this place called Forgotten Harvest or whatever. And we literally spent like two hours re-stickering this uh, muscle milk stuff because it was past the expiration date. Because again, like you were saying there, what they expect of food is way lower than what they're actually going to try to give people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like we talked about before, they want us to have bugs and stuff. But I mean, you look, you look throughout going back throughout history, though, too. And they, they've done this over and over. It's always been, it's never, you know, and what, what's funny is they try and cover it now with race wars or, you know, sexuality wars, but what it really is, is class warfare. And it's been going on since the banking system began. And they've spread that gap farther now than it has been in a long time where it's either mm-hmm. you're rich or you're poor. And that's pretty much where it sits right now. And if you're pretending like you're in the middle, like you're, you're strictly pretending and, you know. The, the structure is going to fall apart soon enough when you're trying to keep up your, your, how you're living your life and you can't afford to do it anymore. Yeah. The middle is, is the interesting thing. Cause that's what they're trying to get rid of. They, they, you know, they want it to be the rich and the poor and they want two classes. The, the rich will be the ones with all the money and all the power and make all the decisions and the poor will do what they want them to do. I think it's one of those things too, that the middle class, like the higher end of middle class thinks that they're in that, you know, rich wavelength. So they don't want them thinking that they're one of them. So they're trying to create that gap more where it's like a lot of those people shit on the poor people thinking they're above them. But realistically, you're closer to us than you are to these elites and rich people that you think that you're part of. And they're the useful idiots for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. They're the ones who are going to be used to propagate the plan of the ultra rich and then they'll be the first ones to be sacrificed because they were too close. Like you if know, we're playing because, chess, they'd be like the castles or something like that. You know, yeah, a little bit above you know the what? pawn, they're right but they're there still on the abuse. doorstep, right? They, 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 like you said, they think they're in the club, but they're not really in the club yet. They hang out outside, you know, they're allowed in the yard, but not in the building. And then they do what they do. And then all of a sudden the people in the building are like, wow, these people got a lot done and they're pretty close to us. You know what? Let's get rid of them. They, they're too close. They're close to let's get rid of them and, and then we'll refresh. That also starts a polarizing war, too, because then you have like the high ends of middle class and then the poor people that are fighting amongst each other again. So it's just taking away more that you could be spending towards the people that deserve it. But instead, you're inner fighting between people that are closer to you than you realize. That's the, the whole two party system. Right. That's the whole two poles. Right. And that's all it is. Our country is a giant battery and you have red and blue D and R and they're two ends that are very electrically charged. And what sits in the middle is the government. 
and it relies on the charge of those two poles to constantly be supplying it with energy because if those two poles stop supplying it with energy it's useless it has no point it, it dies but you will never see an end to the two-party system because if you do it will be the end of this government yeah like i mean that's again and why they never have like a third party involved in anything because think about any divide there is in the country and there's they don't there always is a third option but they never make it seem like there's a third option like you're either racist or you know you're you're progressive like there's no yep. like middle ground on things that everybody can just say like yeah man like that's fucked up nobody should be treated that way nobody should be like you know thrown on the ground and arrested for not doing shit like nobody agrees that that's like a good concept but they try to make it seem like if you're white like you're pro african american people getting like the shit beaten out of them or it's like there's no middle ground but it's like there's definitely a middle ground you know <laughs> Well, that's the extreme world we live in, right? And, and that's the upside down world where you have to choose a team. You, and, and not only, what's so wild about now is the teams within the teams, right? You can be True. support LGBTQ+, but not be woke enough and be ostracized from that community because you didn't support it hard enough, you know? And that's where we've gotten with this. It's so... Oh, I don't know, man. It's it's just so fanatical these days. Everything is so polarized and, and extreme, you know, and, and you have to pick a side, right? No, I, I choose not to most of the time because now I'm realizing if I pick a side, I'm participating in that energy transfer. Whereas if I just stay neutral, they get nothing out of me. Dude, even, not go, even going into that community too, it's like a weird divide now where it's like, I'm all for like whatever you want to do in your fucking bedroom. That's your business. I don't give a shit. But when you start putting it on the kids, that's when I have an issue. And now they make it seem like if you don't agree with that, like you're a piece of shit. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. But like if somebody comes out to like my daughter, if because my daughter doesn't go to public school, she's homeschooled. But if I put her in public school and some teacher came out to like her first grade class and said that they, you know, were gay and stuff like that, like, I don't give a shit that you're gay, but like. Why, why are you talking about sex with my kid? Because realistically, at the root of it, you're talking about sex with children. Isn't, isn't that, th there's something wrong with that, right? I mean, I don't give it, like you said, I don't give a shit what, who, what you do. You're not talking to my kid about sex as, a, as an elementary school kid. Get out of here. It doesn't There's even no need, need to be that. on like the heterosexual side. Like, I don't know about don't you, care. but when I was yeah, in school, I like I didn't shit. give a shit what my teachers did. Like, I didn't yep. care if they were married. Like they're teachers, like they they're, you know, robots that stayed in the school for all I knew. Yeah. Why? Why? Nobody needs to know your personal life. Right. And that's and that's part of the problem with the education system, too. Now is that these teachers, they just want to be friends with all the kids. They don't want the professionalism out of it. Yeah, it's good. They're gone They're And, and, and a lot of these teachers are so weak that they use the kids to get out their you know cause you know that oh you know i broke up with my my boyfriend this weekend and i'm really struggling and i miss him and all this shit it's like no 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 elementary school kids don't care about your personal life keep that to yourself like you said it's professional and but it's you know, what's, what's hilarious is it's infiltrated the corporate world and the corporate world is involved in this whole scam. Now, not only the Ukraine scam, they're involved in this gay pride, LGBTQ. Dude, I saw one for Burger King where they're doing double buns of the same on both yeah. burgers. And it's like, they did two bottoms on one. And the joke that I like to keep making is that even in that community, two bottoms doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. 
So, oh, dude, it's just, it's, it's asinine. I mean, I, I see it on a daily basis in my company. They're so woke. It's comical. Dude, same with my company. They'll make us sit and do these, like, how to go about somebody with pronouns, how to do this, how to do that. And I'll read the questions and take them literally and just be, just point out like the stupidity of them. And I'll get myself in trouble at work for it. But it's like, I don't care again what you do, but like, stop trying to force into my life when like, literally you're just trying to virtue signal and just try to show like how good of a company you are, how good of a person you are by pushing that shit. But realistically, like my building in particular, like we have a weird building where we have one person that like dates trans people, but she's, you know, rich girl, really confused about life. So I don't, I don't know what's going on with her anyways, but, uh, like the rest of the company, it's like, maybe there's like 1% of the people in the company that are like that. So it's like, why are we pushing it on top of everybody? And not to sound like an asshole, but like, we do have something called freedom of speech. So, you know, if somebody used to be Terry and, or, you know, let's, let's think of like a more masculine name, but like somebody used to be Joe and now they're Shirley. Like if I call you Joe, like at the root of it, like you're still a biological male. I'm sorry, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah, I don't play those games. I'm not into, I'm not, I'm not into that stuff. You know, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing pronouns. I'm not going to, you know, it is what it is. What's your name? I don't care what your sexuality is. I don't give a shit about any of that. I'm not playing, you know, and and anybody that wants to play that game and is offended, tough shit. It's a game you're playing. It's 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 make-believe. It has no bearing on reality whatsoever. Dude, it's confusing for the kids, too, because it's like, I'll go to the store now. My daughter will be like, uh, and like point at somebody. And it's like, if you don't want people to point at you, don't like... Like people get offended when like kids point at them or something like that when they're part of that community. But it's yeah, like but dude, they I want can't... the attention at the same time. Yeah, they're, like I can't help that my daughter's confused by you. Like, sorry. <laughs> no, no, these assholes. Like the we we have them out here because I'm in a very in, in a very uh, college town, so you see it a lot. Like, I mean, there's guys in dresses and stuff, and me and my son laugh at it now. It's just like, okay, <laughs> that guy really craves attention. You know, he, he feels the need that he has to stand out that much. Okay, fine, dude, but don't ask me to call you some crazy pronoun. I'm not. I'm not playing that game. All right, it is what it is. You have a name. That's what I'm going to call you. Yeah, I keep saying too. Like, how long is it before people start picking like their race? And then people are like a white dude and they're like, I, I, I see myself as black. And then all of a sudden people are going to have an issue with it. If they start yeah. like dropping the N word or there'll be like a moral issue to be like, Oh wait, should we go after this person? Cause they're clearly white and saying the N word. But at the same time though, like we told them that people can be whoever they want to be. So it's like, we're contradicting our message by telling them that they have an issue. We have an issue with them saying the N word because they think that they're black. You know what I mean? Like, like where does yeah. that chain stop? <laughs> Yeah. Again, it's just another, you know, that's another thing that racism, right. That was created to divide. I don't know. And I don't feel like anybody, like we're getting to a point now where like nobody feels that strongly about being like pro racist. So it's like, where do all of these racial battles keep coming from? When you talk to almost anybody, like it's very far between that you actually find somebody that actually hates another race. But when you actually talk to them about it, it comes from a place of them not understanding that race. So like, if you actually sit down and break shit down for them, like nine out of 10 times, they'll start understanding things and still maybe feel that way, but not so drastically that way. Like, I don't get it, man. It's just like, ignorance. Yeah. That's, that's it what is. it comes down to. Yeah. It's just being ignorant. You know, you don't, and you can't, you can't generalize like that. Right. I mean, that's, that's the two stupid things to, to you can't, you put together, right. A generalization and ignorance. 
that's just a recipe for disaster right there. And that's what people do. You know, you can't judge a whole people because there's good people in everything. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, and that's what I keep telling people. I'm like, people are like, Oh, do you hate this group or that group? I go, no. I'm like, but their government is a bunch of assholes and I hate them. And I go, I don't hold those people responsible for what their government does. And I hope they wouldn't hold me responsible for what my government does. Dude, that's like the whole thing with Russia right now. It's like, obviously the Russian, like just to begin with, like none of us realistically know what the fuck's going on because there's just so many narratives involved where it's like, you listen to news from like 10 different countries and all of them are saying something totally different about what's going on with Russia. But it's like, people are trying to like cancel culture, Russia. And it's like, yes, the government may or may not be doing some fucked up shit, but like the people in that country are just trying to survive. Like they're normal people. They have nothing to do with any of this shit. And by yeah. cancel culturing all of the shit from Russia, like you're hurting just normal citizens that didn't do fucking shit. They're just trying to live their lives and try to live it to the best that they can. It's and just we- pure hypocrisy, man, and gaslighting, right? It's what, what have we done to other countries for the past 40, 50 years? Just bomb the shit out of them. You know, we've we've overthrown so many governments but Russia's the bad guy, right? Russia, mm-hmm. it's, it's and, and it's citizens. Like we, you know, and that's what I, we, I was just saying, like that would be us held accountable for all the bombs that Obama dropped in the Middle East where he almost ran out of bombs in, in the, uh, you know, 20 teens. Dude, I always say that we're like the cool bully of the world where it's like everybody wants to be our friend because they don't want to get bullied. But it's like, that's the only reason that we have any type of like powers because we're the country that everybody's like scared of because like, we'll help you out. But at the same time though, if you cross us, like we'll bomb the shit out of you. Oh, we will fuck you up and we will destroy you. And that's, you know, that's what I've been showing lately with my podcast is, you know, when they, they massacred, you know, millions of Buffalo intentionally because they wanted to starve out the natives. And I'm like, what kind of government thinks like that? Like that's insanity that's just like a massive takeover concept. Cause it's like, we don't look into that that much with American history and they don't teach that that much in school, but we came to an, an area where it was already fully populated and we make it seem like it's such a great thing that we pretty much were like, you know, somebody has been living here for generations and generations. We came up with a flag and said, this is my land now and started yep. just pushing them away from that. And then we pretend like, Oh, America was built on freedom and greatness and this and that. But it's like, no dude, like there are people here and we slaughtered and murdered a lot of them. And even like Columbus, we celebrated him for years and he was one of the first people to start doing biological warfare because he's, you know, would get SAR covered blankets and give them to the Native Americans, just start killing off Native Americans, uh, you know, so they could take over the land. And that's what it came down to. Yeah, it was just a giant genocide so they could take over the land and the resources, you know, and, and, and but what have they done? They've painted it with these these amazing stories and these amazing pictures that they've conjured up to spin it. Right. And, and, and that's what they do. It's inversion. So they're going to play like they're the good guys. But in reality, they're the bad guys. And I even said in my last podcast, I was like, they made the Native Americans look like savages. That was the whole idea. Rather oh, yeah. than just being like normal people just living off the land and living a totally different way. Yeah, because it was funny. I was I was doing the um, uh, the, the Buffalo Massacre, not the not the, the pow pow shooting. I'm talking about the Buffalo Massacre in the 1800s for those fbi people listening out there those guys love it um (laughs) but anyway the buffalo shooting in the 1800s and i was talking my son about it because he's big into you know the up here in new england they do teach a lot of native history and things like that 
What state are you in, if you don't mind me asking? Sorry. Mass. Massachusetts. We're in Mass now. We, we lived in Connecticut uh, the previous eight years. Oh, gotcha. I didn't mean to pull you away from what you were saying. I'm just was curious because it seems like everybody's either in New England or they're on the East Coast or yep. West Coast. <laughs> yeah, you get a couple in Florida, but that's about it. Nothing in the Midwest, it seems. Very I'm in few. Michigan. I'm like the only one that I yeah. found that's from Michigan. <laughs> yep. It's but, strange, man. It's strange how it works. So I didn't mean to cut you off if you want to continue with, with what you're saying. No, no, no. But what I was saying with him was I was asking him, you know, what do you, what do you know about this? And he's like, oh, well, the natives overhunted and and you know killed off the buffalo population I'm like well i'm like that's the story they tell us right and i'm like what if i told you that they had hunting parties to just slaughter entire and, and there were um who was it uh oh shit what's his name uh sherman um general sherman wanted to actually have a the biggest hunting party ever and just see if they could slaughter all the buffalo at once and just get rid of the problem all at once. And, and he was like, Oh, he's like, well, that's not what they tell us. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, they teach us. And that's what I said. They said, that's what I'm learning in a lot of my shows and my research is that I go into these things and that's, you know, how I got into my, uh, the dark side of Disney episode that I did was it was a meme out there about Disney. And I'm like, dude, this is bullshit. You know, this isn't true about Walt Disney. And I started looking at it. What like, was it? I always like to dig into the Disney stuff. I'm curious what the meme was. Uh, well, the one, I think the meme that I was looking at was, it was five people. It was, um, who was it? It was Aleister Crowley, Jack Parsons, Von Braun, Disney, and fuck, who was the other one? Uh, L. Ron Hubbard. That's what I was about to mention too. I yeah. was trying to remember the name fully because I knew the last name yeah. was covered, but and I was looking and I'm like, oh, I'm like, well, I knew that uh Crowley had died, you know, like during or just prior to the end of World War II. So he wasn't involved in NASA. So I was like, dude, this is kind of bullshit. I'm sure anyway, he would have been like, though if he was still alive. Oh, fuck. And they used a lot of his. I mean, Jack Parsons was huge into Crowley. Um, but what I was looking at was like, ah, Disney's not tied with these guys. Why would he be tied with a Nazi and all this shit? And then I start looking and I'm like, Disney and Von Braun were BFFs, you know, for decades. And uh, I was like, holy shit, this is wild. And I started getting into Disney. I'm like, oh shit, Disney was in, uh, you know, like the junior Freemasons. I'm like, that's interesting. I'm like, oh, he was also in the Red Cross. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, he has a lot of Aleister Crowley references in his old cartoons too. Like I remember there's one that Donald Duck was dressed up and he was doing the like hands on his chin pose yep. with the, with the triangle hat on that Aleister mm -hmm. Crowley is famous for. Oh yeah. You see a lot of that everywhere too, though. That's what they do in pop culture, right? They'll take these esoteric things and they'll normalize them. And, and, and you got to learn to see the symbols. Yeah, because people will be seeing this shit all day long and not even realize it. And then it's like yep. you start catching on to things and then you just start making all these connections like, wait, that was like from this show. That was from this show. Well, and, and why are they doing some of these things? They're trying to get you to do it, too, to participate in it. Right. Because a lot of these things are like spells, if you think about it, you know, and they're trying to get your energy to their. What they're trying to provide, what they're trying to do and. Dude, I've seen a lot of that in anime too. Like there's this show I watch called Black Clover and uh, one of the like, they're, they're all 
people that have magic powers to begin with. Um, but one of the weirdest things that I noticed about it is that one of like the biggest groups in it that like protects the kingdom is called the Golden Dawn. So it's like, hmm. nice. <laughs> yep. There it is. And then Mercury magic, of course, is the strongest magic. Uh, there's like I'll have to go back through it. I was talking about it with Juan from the one on one podcast, and uh, I found so many occult connections in this one particular show. It was ridiculous. Like the one main dude's power is that he has anti magic. So he's the only one that has no magic. So because of that he has this like demon sword that can pretty much like take other people's magic. So that's like another occult concept is it's like an anti-magic sword, you know? Yep. But, and you wonder how many of these are actual tech that worked at one time and we just can't figure it out right now versus how much of it is just, you know, cartoons. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like they've taken a lot of things that are possibilities and that, you know, were likely to have happened prior to things getting as messed up as they are now and they make them look like fiction so that people don't yes. look into it and think it's real like another one i like to point out is the menu steric goats like that was an actual government organization that was doing that but they make it into a comedy so that you watch it and you're like damn this is stupid this is a joke but it's like your government was literally doing this <laughs> yeah yeah no that's exactly it and that's the and or you'll say oh it's just a movie right oh that was in a movie that can't be real and it's like, no, no, no. They they give you bits of truths in movies. And if you're you're paying attention, you they start to add up and you're like, oh, okay, this makes a lot more sense now. It's not just a movie that they're doing, it's advertising. And they'll do like a ridiculous concept mixed in with it to also dilute out the real concept to make it look more ridiculous because then you associate it with like this crazy thing. Yep. Oh, yeah. And that's that's a that's a known trick of theirs, right? It's just total um you know, you just take all credibility away from it and, and just, you know, label it as crazy or insane. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you know, it's, it can't be mainstream anymore. You know, now they like, it's like, you know, you look at cannabis, like they created reefer madness, you know, that whole mm -hmm. campaign. And it was all because some rich magnate didn't want hemp to be used because it would have destroyed not only his paper company, but many other companies. And, and it would have taken a lot of money away from, the robber barons, the wealthy businessmen. So true. And then they'd also try to demonize uh, Mexicans too with that because they made it sound like, oh, it's this crazy drug that comes from Mexico and they're raping all the white women when they're on it. So like they demonize a whole nother group of people. And uh, I don't know if I'm wrong on this one, but I've dug into it a little bit and kind of found this concept that originally what they're trying to promote as cannabis was salvia. And that's why they are making people like make it look like it was some crazy thing that makes people go crazy. Cause if you smoke salvia, you get real fucked up. Um, so they pretty much like tried to disguise the one plant as another plant or tried to make it so that both plants seem like they were the same thing so that they could again, like demonize it and make it so that people didn't want it around because it was so beneficial that they knew they'd lose money on it. Cause even going from like the perspective of like, um, it's grows way faster. So you can produce mass amounts of paper for way less without damaging whole forests. Um, you can, they're figuring out now where you can make like plastics and shit out of it. Oh, it's so much more durable. Yeah. They're yeah. like biodegradable plastics that'll like, you know, they're more durable than like most other plastics. Some are like even supposed to be like more durable than like brick mm -hmm. where you can like whip them at the ground and they won't shatter like a brick. Like there's just so many benefits to it. That's another reason they're just trying to demonize it. And now that it's becoming legal, it's that they finally found a way to control it. 
So like coming from somebody who works in like the legal cannabis industry, like it went quickly from all local things to like fully government operated. So it's like, it was completely done intentional because they, if they're going to make it legal, they wanted to make sure they had all power and control over it. Yeah. And, and eventually it gets corporatized. Right. And that's where it eventually goes. You get the mom and pops get run out. It's funny you mentioned that because my company just got bought out by a corporate company called TerraSend and I call it TerraDSend. But yeah, it it came in, changed so fucking drastically quick. It's ridiculous. Yep. It's inevitable. And that's the way. And, and, and we, I've been talking about this for years because that's what I, you know, I've been calling out the medical industry because that's, or, you know, even the recreational, it's going to be now that that whole, legal cannabis is going to be corporatized. It's the only way it works for them. You they know? pushed out all the caregivers too, like a year or two ago in Michigan, where they made it so that dispos couldn't buy from caregivers. So like, I've been watching this process happen for a long time, where it's just little things will happen here and there. And it's like, I know exactly what they're doing, but anybody that's involved are just like, okay, whatever. And they just keep rolling. Yeah. Not realizing like how drastically it's changed just in the past three years. That's and, how, and, and, and how did they do it? Drip, drip. Yep drip right and then next thing you know after enough drips it was a flood and you didn't even see it coming Mm -hmm. and that's what they do they do it you know in politics they do it in you know we saw it in 2020 they did it they brought it in slow 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 boom and next thing you know you were stuck in your house and most people had a you know one or two diapers on their face it's like oh man how did we get here Dude, I was always really particular about that too. Like at my work, I refuse to wear a mask because I work in like hot ass humid rooms because they're just full of plants. So like the rule that they wrote for my work was that you have to have a mask on you. So I use yep. that for, they didn't say on your face. It says on you. So it doesn't say where. So I used to like clip it on my pants. I'd like put it on the top of my head, like attach it on the back with like the earpieces still like attached and shit. Cause I oh, like dude, use their this, own rules against them. You know, I ran into that yesterday. I went, I, I, uh, my ex set up a dentist appointment for my son. And so I got, I get there and I get to the front door and it says face coverings required. And I'm like, what? So I open the door and I look at the receptionist and she's got one on and she's going to say, I'm like, Nope, I didn't even, I just turned around, told my son, I'm like, we're out of here, dude. I'm like, I am not. And you're not putting on one of those things just because they want to make a statement. I'm like, it's funny you mentioned the dentist because I took my dentist, my daughter to the dentist probably about eh, not a couple of weeks ago, I'd say. And uh, they had all those signs up, too. So we go in there and like my girlfriend, me and my daughter, the only ones not wearing masks. And we go up to the counter and they were like, you know, pretty much like ask me to wear a mask. And I just hit them with the no because they don't know how to respond when they get nose. Yeah. So then they were like, okay, can I at least take your temperature? I'm like, I, I guess. So I like, no, you can't. They, touch they took their temperatures like my girlfriend's. Cause she said, I guess. And then when they were trying to take mine, I kind of did the, like the scoot back as they were trying to take it. And they're like, you have to go a little bit closer. I'm like, I'm not sick. I'm fine. So then they just yeah. were like, all right, whatever. And just kind of like, let me go. But particularly in the dentist though, it's like, you're going to sit down on that chair to take the mask off so they can put their hands in your mouth, in your mouth. Like, so- <laughs> this is what I don't get. I'm, I'm like, this is, we've gone to a point of insanity. And I, and that's why I said, I called my ex ago. You're going to have to reschedule. I go, I'm not playing this game anymore. I go, this is insane. And she goes, what happened? I go, I opened the door and I looked in and I'm like, and they wanted me to put a mask on. I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm like, I'm like, you got to understand. I'm like, this is so retarded. Like, it makes no sense. Dude, I'm my like, daughter's pediatrician and- is great because he doesn't care. Like, he's a pediatrician. He's like, I don't give a shit if you wear a mask. Yeah. I just have to put that on the door because they tell me I have to do it. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. Like, I, I get that. But 
uh, the whole point that that you're going to tell me what's right for me and what's healthy for me, you know, I just I'm so over that. My girlfriend has asthma, too. So she played that off like the whole time that the mass shit was going on where she I got was anemia. Like, you yeah, know? I can't and breathe. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is my blood oxygen level. You want me to pass out on your floor? They're like, sir, you have to wear it. I'm like, all right, I'm leaving. I'm like, Dude. I'm just not because I got in it, you know, for two years, I got in so many fights at so many places, like just dropping the facts on them. And, you know, like they're like, well, I'm like, well, if you know, yours works. Why, why do I need to wear one, you know, and all this, all this different stupid shit and the same arguments over and over. And they never have anything that comes back other than it's a mandate. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, mandate's not even the law, by the way, mandates only enforced by you. So if you don't enforce it, it has no legs whatsoever. And last time I checked, I'm not listening to you. So good luck. my, My work, when they first started pushing that, like when we had the meeting where they originally were talking about COVID and everything, they were like, everybody wear a mask and you come up to the office. So I walk up to the office and I have a bottle of spray alcohol and I stare at the manager and I spray it and it goes through the mask. So he pulls me in his office real quick and he's like, well, do you just got to wear it? Cause it's placebo effect. It makes people feel better. I'm like, yeah, yeah. but it doesn't make me feel better. I'm not going to wear this shit. Yeah. So the whole time COVID's going on, like I'm not wearing masks and both my bosses are threatening me like, oh, if you have to wear a mask because the company says we'll have to fire you if you don't or you'll get written up or blah, 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 blah. I'm like, do it, do it then. Like, yeah. not to sound like a dick, but like. My job that I do here and my girlfriend, because we're both work at the same place, like nobody else can do what we do. So like if you fire us, you're just going to fuck yourself. Like I call your bluff. Try it, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still can't go into my building at work because I'm not jabbed. And uh, I'm like, fine. I'm like, I'm like, and I would and I can't I'm like, go ahead and fire me, because if that's what it comes down to, I'm not getting it. I'll find somewhere else to work like shit, like my body and just having the opportunity to make that stand to make it so that the government can't tell you what you can and can't put in your body to me is more important than a fucking job. Like I'll go find somewhere else to work. Like, but once you give them that, like you're never going to get it back. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, why, why is it, why is it important now? Like you never enforced flu shots before, but now you're going to enforce this random one because everyone says, and, and, We've already seen the documents that say it wasn't as effective as they said it was. So why? And, and, you know, it's like, what's the, why am I any different? I'm, I'm not, I'm not a risk to anybody. I'm not sick. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing. Like everybody's, you know, we've been uh, taught to, to think that everyone is a virus, you know, that Munchausen syndrome where everybody's sick or you're a disease. It's like, no, no, we're meant to interact with each other. Our immune systems build up by fighting off germs. And so you want to be around. If you want to live in a bubble, when you come out of that bubble, you're in for a rude awakening. You saw that even before COVID, all the parents that would always use hand sanitizer, their kids are always the ones that got sick. The parents that let their kids roll around in the mud around other kids, right? For until they got to like kindergarten. Those are the kids that missed half a kindergarten because they were sick every day. Mm -hmm. It's like, dude, you have to be exposed to germs. Like it's, I if always your kid laugh. wants to eat dirt. Let him eat fucking dirt. Like that's, that's going to benefit him more than you think <laughs> would be head to toe in dirt, just having the time of his life and other parents would be looking at me. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm like, it all gets washed off in the bathtub. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, but lo- look at him. I'm like, I'm like, guess what? This kid's not going to get sick a lot because he's exposing himself. He's building up his immune system. I'm like, it's just dirt. It's meant to be here. You know, it's not like he's rubbing himself in poison ivy or, you know, doing Dude, something stupid. I uh, 
I have a bunch of different animals. I have chickens. I have just a bunch of shit. So when I first had my daughter, um, I, we went to like three or four different pediatricians before the one that we have now that we use. Cause I really like it because he, again, doesn't give a shit about the masks and anything like that. But almost all of them are pretty much like, you should get rid of your animals because you have kids now, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, like how are my kids ever going to learn anything or be exposed to things if they're not around the things? So now it's like, I've gotten to the point where like, I'm sure people can tell from like my locks and stuff, but I'm kind of like the hippie type in a sense. So it's like, I'm taking care of my chickens in the backyard, barefoot. My daughter's walking through the garden barefoot. Like our feet get completely black from the dirt and shit. I'm sure a lot of people are like, Oh, that's dirty. Like you should be wearing shoes, but it's like, nah, man, you got to connect with that land again. And again, that exposure is how you're never going to get sick. Like people have this whole idea with like salmonella or E. coli with uh, chickens and stuff, but like it's only happens when they live in a dirty shitty environment and they're always in their own shit but if you keep your chickens clean like that's not an issue they just tell you that it is because they don't know which eggs might have it so that's why in america like you don't eat your eggs raw is because they don't have as particular um means of like for for eggs and stuff but like you go to japan for example like a lot of their dishes they eat raw eggs so like their standards are way higher where there's like no E. coli issues or anything with their chickens because they particularly know that they can eat those eggs, you know, like my eggs, I can eat them raw if I want to. I have no issue and I have no worry about it because all my chickens are taken care of. So, and a lot of that too is to scare people off so they don't get their own chickens because God, you know, th- those eggs are so valuable, you know, so fucking when, much better too. There's such a huge know, taste difference. Oh, it's unbelievable. You get, you get like that orangish, reddish beautiful yolk versus that yellowy slimy junk you get from the grocery store i was gonna say yeah even the yolk is a completely different color when you get farm fresh eggs yeah i mean and you can drop the yolk from a pretty good distance and it's not breaking whereas that one from the store it's breaking in midair and it's just a yellow blob that hits the plate hits the you know the uh you can also Man. tell the healthiness of the chickens too, just by like how dense the eggshell is. Like you get the yes. ones from the grocery store and you can put your finger through it. The ones you yep. get from farms, you got to like smack those things to crack them, you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was great. We went to my son's uh, uh, end of the year baseball party and, you know, it was great food, like barbecue and everything. And then leaving the woman hands me a dozen eggs from her chickens in the backyard. I'm like, Oh, this is gold right here. I'm like, you don't understand how grateful I am for these eggs. I'm like, there's nothing I like better than farm fresh eggs. Have you ever had farm fresh duck eggs? Like I just, like I have two ducks, but they ended up being boys because I didn't know a lot about ducks when I first got them. So unfortunately I don't get any eggs from them. But uh, finally at the farmer's market I go to, there's somebody that had duck eggs and I finally got to try them and holy shit. Like they're the thick. yolk is so thick yeah, and creamy that creamy. it's like it drips on the plate that it leaves like a bubble, you know? And it's like fills you up with like one egg because the yolk is so thick and creamy. That shit is so good. They're good with like a, 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 a like an English muffin or something where you cut out the middle and you throw the egg in there and let it work with some kind of bread. Oh, man. So I usually run the poached eggs and then you put it on, you know, in like a sandwich. And it's yep. perfect for that because you do it with, I mean, not as bad with farm fresh chicken eggs. But they're still, they're still running when you bite into it, but you do it with like the duck eggs and you can pretty much bite into it and hold it back and you can keep all of that yolk in the sandwich as you're eating it because it's so thick. <laughs> Dude, ducks. Ducks, nature's rapists. Dude, right? Like I got two males and I got to separate them. I had to separate them from my chickens because they get so rapey. And it's oh, like, dude. they're the number one rapist in the animal kingdom. And people just they, think they're so yeah, cute. <laughs> man. They're the dirt dogs of the animal kingdom. They will stick it in anything they can or try to with that crooked, 
crotch of theirs. Yeah, I was gonna say, have you ever seen those things too? It looks like a like a noodle. It's like that spiral, like it's, it's like fucking a bad weird. fish hook. Yeah, <laughs> like a fish hook on steroids. Somebody just twisted multiple times. Man, yeah, we did a whole or uh, Ryan, I think Ryan and and his cousin Brandon did like a whole episode on duck rape it was it was hilarious (laughs) i'll have to look into that one (laughs) yeah or it was like a whole segment or something because it came up on master debaters one of the nights and i we were dying laughing we were looking at the diagrams and stuff and it's like oh my god what are we looking at oh i normally ask this in the beginning but i've been meaning to ask you this because i'm really curious of just what everybody happens to say to it um what was like your moment that you know was like your red pill moment where you know may have caused you to want to start a podcast or just in general like what was your moment that you felt like you're on the other side of the fence when you really started noticing everything oh dude the obvious answer would be 2020 in general right when everybody kind of got silenced in a way when you got locked down and everything like that and you know i got to a point where i just didn't have anybody around me that i could talk to you know so i got into the podcasts and started listening And, you know, found all these cool people that were, you know, not necessarily saying what I was, what I was thinking or what I agreed with, but they were talking about things, you know, they were discussing things, whereas everywhere else, you could only talk about one side of the argument. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is crazy. And knowing what I know, I mean, I've been into this, not, not conspiracy, but history stuff, you know, it was my minor in college. So I've been into, were you into the hidden history then too, or were you more like the mainstream history? No, what got me into hidden history, honestly, was ancient aliens. Um, that kind of opened my eye. Cause I was, you know, I was well indoctrinated, right. I went through the, the education system. I went through, you know, college. And when you go through that, you can't question mainstream. So it wasn't until I got into like ancient aliens. And then when I got to Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson, that's when it really opened up my eyes because these guys were legit. They had data and evidence to back it up and they were still getting shit on by the mainstream Mm -hmm. and discredited and, and all that. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now you start to see, okay, if you're not going to play their game, they're going to do everything they can to destroy or silence you. So what was uh like your favorite or what is your favorite like hidden history topic to look into? Oh, it changes. Dude, honestly, like I would say my the one that fascinates me the most and has had me almost since the beginning of, of this you know podcast era of my life is the Chicago World Fair. Um that thing, oh, geez, I don't even know. That thing, there's something about that thing that has me. Like, I've been, I have a whole stack of books here. I have a whole stack of books, uh, digital that I, I got, and I just can't get enough of it. Do you want to give a, like, brief overview for, like, the listeners that aren't familiar with what that is also? Yeah, so what what it is, is, is back in the 1850s, they started these world fairs, which would be a, a you know, it's kind of the equivalent of the Olympics today, from how they would select it, right? There's a lot of corruption that goes on, you gotta, you know, grease people's hands to get them. But when your city got the world fair, it would be this elaborate production. 
and so what we're told in these cities is that like Chicago, for example, in a matter of two years, they took almost 700 acres of swampland and turned it into, and anybody that's watching behind me is the grand court from the Chicago world fair um, buildings like this. And we're told that the majority of these buildings were built out of uh, staff or stucco um, that they're just temporary facilities. Those look like some solid ass buildings, at least from that picture. <laughs> yeah. And it's wild, man, because, you know, I've, I've, I can't even tell you how many hours I've spent on this fair or how many books I've read because I'm starting to get, and I've been digging deeper and deeper into source material. Like I just got my hands on um, a digital copy of H.H. Bancroft's um, book of the fair, which is in a, a thousand pages just on that fair. And that guy, I can do a, a whole nother discussion on him, but he's kind of the guy who wrote the history of the old west in america um his story i'm sure he probably made it like fit his exactly dude his it's, and it's crazy because and, and I'll, I'll give you a brief overview of this guy so he's a book salesman him and his brother have a bookstore in buffalo new york in the 18 1840s 1850 early 1850s they're told to go out to san francisco to go sell and buy books and you're like 1850s in san francisco that's during like the gold rush supposedly there's nobody out there who the hell has books out there like who's buying and selling books during the gold rush and so then you you find out oh he went out there to acquire all of the books that were out there and basically hoard everything up and then redistribute them with maybe a little twist i don't know we don't know what the source materials were we got hit we just get his version so it's a very very peculiar story and he ends up writing something like sixty thousand pages you know he writes the history of the natives the history of california utah montana like every state he writes the history of out there um and it's crazy so he's involved in the chicago world fair too and he writes the history of the chicago world fair and so this fair they build over 200 buildings you know, like what's behind me in less than two years, like I said, on swampland and have these extravagant, you know, um, he were there too on, on swamplands. That's the extra weird part about it. Yeah. Yeah. And mind you guys, there's no power tools at this time. They're using horse and buggy. They're using levers, right. To, to move stuff, pulleys and levers. There's no power electric, you know, equipment or anything to get all this stuff going. Do they have it, those spiral screwdrivers back then where it was kind of like the drill before a drill? Was that basically, around Basically, right? And supposedly there's, you know, electricity. They, they dug sewage. They dug electricity. You know, all this stuff in, in, in less than two years, all by hand, you know, not no machines to do it. And so they have this fair that runs from May to October and it brings in like 27 million people. Now, mind you that at the time, the city of Chicago itself only had about 3 million people. So <laughs> in a, for, for like six to seven months, there's nine times the population that comes into that city, which brings a whole nother slew of questions as to where are they staying, who's feeding them, you know, all this stuff. 
then after the fair is over, they burn it all down except for like one building. And they say, oh, yeah, they were just temporary buildings, you know, but they, they just torch it. And it's 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 just an amazing, amazing story. And if they spent and, that much effort to build it. Like, why would they torch it afterwards? You know, you think yeah. you'd let it like run its course for at least a little while. If the buildings were like temporary, like when they start getting shitty, tear them down then. But beforehand, if you took that much time and effort to build that shit, like leave it up, you know, and what did they build it for? Right. Why were they bringing all these people? And, and it was Chicago. Right. Like Chicago wasn't known as like this huge city at the time. It was it was smaller. I mean, it was growing. It grew rapidly in in the late 1880s, early 1890s, around the time of the fair. But when they were going for the fair, it wasn't really huge. It wasn't one of the world's biggest cities. Do you think Um, it was intended to be some kind of like a cult gathering or do you think it had to do with something like they're trying to just bring as much money into specific areas as possible? I think it was there. It was twofold. Right. This was the transition from the previous era into the industrial era. So they were, they were showing people a combination of this is what things used to look like. And here's what they're going. We're going to show you what, where we're going with this. And, you know, they had these buildings, they had electrical building to show the future of electricity. They had a manufacturer's building to show the future of manufacturing and um, all these different buildings that were housing the future technologies and things like that. So was that the premise is that you kind of just would walk around and like tour these different buildings that they'd set up? Yeah, it was, it was like a, a fair. Um, and, and, but this one was wild because it was so big. Like I said, it's almost 700 acres. So you couldn't just go in one day and see it all. You know, it's kind of like Disney nowadays where in order to see all the parks, you got to stay there for a couple of days. That's another um, money grab too, that they try to make and, it so you can't do everything in one day. So you have to stay yeah, there and spend and, more and, money. And this, that, that was another part of this. This was meant not for you or I, not for the regular folk. This was meant for the rich. And, but at the same time, you're wondering, there's not 27 million rich people, right? What are they bringing these people in? It's, it's a giant indoctrination, right? These people, it was almost like these people were, went to a camp, right? This was Camp Chicago. You had to go there, you had to learn. And then when you left, you got your certificate and they actually did hand out certificates at these things. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there, there's notebooks where people would be filling them out as they went through the fair, you know, um, sitting in different buildings. And I mean, and the fairs were so crazy. I mean, they had things like human zoos. Would they do like presentations and stuff too then? Oh, full on. Yes. Oh, it would, they, like I'm saying, they, they had human zoos where they would show you how like native people lived and they would bring in these native people and basically cage them up and put them in, you know, habitats that would look like their environment and then have them live in there so that the white people could watch them. That's fucking weird. (laughs) Yeah. And they had, um, infantoriums, which were baby incubators. Okay. Where they would just have babies on display in these incubators and you could kind of just sometimes take them home. Wait, what? Yeah. Like they would, you could adopt these babies out of these incubators. Like, and supposedly it was to save premature babies, but they had these babies at the fair. That's so fucking weird. That's like the equivalent of like the adoption version of like getting a fish at like a carnival. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And this is children we're talking about. And you see a lot of this in the, in the late 1800s, mid to late 1800s. 
Um, I guess people are different with their kids back then because it was still a thing back then to like trade your kids for like food and different. Oh other things. yeah. There was, I mean, especially you look at 1873 when, when the big uh, economic crash happened, I mean, people, there was literally, and, and, and people weren't selling their kids necessarily for food. They were selling their kids to give them a better life because they couldn't, they knew they were going to be broken, destitute. They couldn't feed their kids. So they wanted to sell them to someone who could feed them, had the means to keep them alive. You see that in Mexico and stuff now where all these parents will think that they're trying to push their kids into a good life and they'll try to like send them to America, but nine out of 10 times they don't actually make it there. And they'll just find them on these like random boats in the middle of the water with all of them dead. Or they'll get picked up by fucking people trafficking too. That's another well, thing. Well, and that's that what they did in the 1800s too. You know, from the, the mid 1850s to the early, you know, 19, I want to say 30s, there were these things called orphan trains where they moved up to like a quarter of a million of orphans from basically the East Coast and uh, spread them out throughout the continental US. And they came, some came from Europe. Uh, a lot of them came from the East coast and what they would do is they'd take these kids on these trains and they'd either go to certain orphanages, which is a whole nother rabbit hole in itself, or they'd be basically taken to like auctions, you know, or, or, or they, they'd be, you know, told ahead of time, you know, that the next train stop, okay, you got, we, we've got, you know, six boys, four girls, you know, ages, such and such. And families would just say, okay, yeah, I'll take this one and this one grab them off the train, take them home and boom, they come work on the farm for them. And that was their new life. It's so weird to think about like, and yeah. going back into the world fair, like what, what other kind of like weird things were going on at the world fair? Oh, I mean, they were doing all sorts of stuff. I mean, you, you talk about some weird things. I mean, in Chicago, um, the mayor was assassinated at the end of the fair. You see things like that. Like, and then um, if you go to go forward, to the Buffalo fair of 1901 president McKinley was assassinated at the world fair. Um, so you see all these, and it's almost like a ritual. That's what right? I was going to say. It reminds me of like an occult ritual that they have all these mass amounts of people come to this thing. And then it seems like somebody dies at the end. Oh, there's, there's all sorts of things like that. You know, at the, at the, the Buffalo world fair also, they tried to um, electrocute an elephant. Was that the one with it, Edison? Yes. Yep. That's where Edison and Tesla battled basically for the last time. And then Westinghouse took over Tesla's stuff. Um, People don't realize yeah. how much of a piece of shit uh, he really was, honestly. Not Tesla, but um, Edison. Oh, Edison. Yeah, total. He total stole piece. like most of his ideas and had a team work on them. So it's like all yep. these inventions he has credit for, like he barely did any of them. He just took everybody's credit and just learned how to profit off shit. And that's why he still talked about it. And they talk about him like he's such a great guy in school, but he's just a fucking idea thief <laughs> who learned how to profit and that's what's that's what upset me the most was that like a lot of the history that i was taught and these people that i were that were, i was told were were good people and did things for the benefit of mankind no most of them you find out they didn't do they did it for the dollar they did it to get wealthy and because they got wealthy off it they were able to pay people off to write good things about them mm -hmm. and discredit the people who were really trying to do good things for humanity and or just eliminate them totally from the books, you know, and that's a problem we're seeing now. Yeah, with anybody that speaks out against the main narrative. And I mean, it makes you wonder how many other people have been lost in history because of that same reason, too. 
that it's like you get so far beyond it that people aren't like word of mouth talking about him anymore. And then they just get dropped out of history. Like Tesla well, and didn't become popular again until like our kind of community started getting into Tesla. Cause I'm sure that there was a good hundred year period where nobody was really talking about Tesla. Yeah. Because they took him out of the, the, you know, the, the zeitgeist, right. He wasn't in the thought anymore and they eliminate these people and they bury them and they'll give you Edison instead. And, uh, you know, you see that at all these, the fairs are just crazy because first of all, they're in a strange cities, right? You get Buffalo, you, Buffalo is one of the big ones. And you, you see the, the buildings behind me here are, are Chicago Buffalo had as nice, if not nicer buildings at theirs. Um, St. Louis did one in 1904. You had, uh, I mean, I, I haven't got much into the international ones yet, but I know Paris had quite a few of them. England had one in 1851 where they had this glass palace. Did Detroit Crystal have palace. one? What's that? Did Detroit have one by chance? I'm kind of I believe look into Detroit it. had a smaller one. Yep. Um, you had places like Seattle, uh, San Francisco. Um, then you get into like Omaha, Nebraska, like a big one in Omaha. Um, and again, now at all of these fairs, the same thing happens. One or two buildings, they, hundreds of buildings are built, and then one or two of them are kept and said to be permanent, and the rest are destroyed, whether it's by fire or by demolition. Are these buildings still there today, or have they been torn down since then? No, the, the ones that were saved, for the most part, are, are still around. Like in Chicago uh the the main building that was saved is an art museum still today um and then you have you know you go to san francisco they had the um i forgot what it's called is it the palace of arts which was rebuilt um but yeah they always save one or two buildings and and that's what's bizarre about it it's like they, they, again, they're keeping a piece of it. Now, why do they keep that one piece? And why weren't the other pieces worthy? Um, I don't know. See, I got to look into the World Fair because I swear that I've heard about that in Michigan, at least, where um, there was this, I don't know if it was part of the World Fair, but there was this giant Michelin tire that they have on the side of the freeway that it's kind of like a thing that you remember every time you drive past because it's like the size of like a, probably like a six-story building. Um, I swear it was part of that because they had it as like a, a Ferris wheel at one point, but I don't know, like if it was that same thing, but it was some type of like fair, but I'm like looking up the Detroit fair now. And I'm kind of curious if any of these buildings are still there because a lot of the, there's like some, this like really defining looking red building that I keep finding pictures of, but yeah, I'm curious if it's still there or not. Cause I, I had, I like knew about the world fair, but I hadn't really looked into it in my area. So now in particular, I want to get some more information on like the Michigan one. Well, what's interesting is, is there's what, what you'll find is in the 1890s and what was it? it was, I think it was like 1893, they started this movement, 1893, which was the same year, the Chicago World Fair. They started this thing called the City Beautiful Movement, right? And it was this movement to almost, you know, to upgrade all the cities, to make them look more aesthetically pleasing and basically import all this Greco-Roman, this old Italian Renaissance, this French architecture and bring it into our buildings. And they did it for a good, I don't know. I want to say about two decades. Look at that thing. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to show you the tire. And then uh, there's a depiction of what it used to look like. It's actually Uniroyal instead of uh, Michelin, but 
Like it was supposed to be like a fair spill. I'm trying to figure out if it was part of that world fair or not. Oh, I guarantee you if it, if it's something that big, it was definitely part of the world fair. Like it's fucking huge. They just have it on the side of the freeway. Oh it's yeah. Like... That's massive. <laughs> yeah. For no, all the audio listeners, by, I recommend looking it up by accident, man. Yeah, no. And it's all propaganda, right? They're, they're indoctrinating people with the new ways. Like some of the advertising is just so over the top at these fairs, what they're pushing and product placement and occult symbolism. It's just over the top. Yeah. It's getting I mean, to look a at, point look behind me. You have, you have the goddess Columbia, right? Who is the light bearer? Who is, you know, Statue of Liberty? It's it's the representation of the light bearer, the Lucifer. You know, now don't go crazy, everyone. Lucifer is not Satan. They're two different people. Lucifer is a light bearer. Satan is God's nemesis. That's another thing, too, that all kind of gets mashed in to try to take power away from it is people think that, like, there's six different names for one person when realistically they're all different entities. But yeah. I was going to mention that that picture that you have in the background, it reminds me of uh, what was that thing that was in ancient Greece? The Colosseum or Coliseum? The, the giant. It was like a statue that would stand over like the opening in the water where there was like a, like a oh, port. Oh, yeah. Forgot what it was called. It was one of the one of the wonders of the world until it got destroyed. But well, that it was Alexander. Reminds me of that. Yeah. Yeah. Or wait, that was, was Alexander. I thought it was like a like a Greek god or something like that. But um, like my curiosity, I don't know if you've reached into it, but what's up with the having a giant structure or monument in front of like a very shallow, big square body of water? Because it looks a lot like from the background that you have. Uh, it reminds me of like where the Washington Monument's at, where it has that big open, oh yeah, short body of water in front of it. What does water do? Water is a conductor, right? Water is a, a source of electricity. Water, and, and that's why I feel, you know, not that these necessarily are giant energy, but everything has to do with energy. And I feel like not only were these these fairs placed in these places because there's some sort of energy harvest from this area. There was something to gain from building this up, collecting all this energy here, and then destroying it, and then rebuilding. Um, but yeah, it, I, I get deep into star forts, um, and it's one of the things that I've kind of poked at on and off for over a year now. And, and what you see with those is these very, uh, I want to say geometric shaped buildings, but they're always, almost always involves some source of water around them. Right. And, and from what we know, water is a great, it, it does so many things. Right. It, and yeah, that is it. Yep. It's uh not to cut, cut you off from what you're saying, but uh, let's see, how do I pronounce, how do I, uh, C O L O S S U S Colossus of Colossus. Rhodes yep. R H O D E S. Yep. But yeah, I could, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just want to no, make no, sure no. I, I worded that right. Yeah, for that's one of the look what, it up. seven wonders of the world. Yep, one of the ancient wonders, and I think there's yep. only like one or one left. I think it's just the pyramids of Giza. Everything else has been destroyed. Gee, it's amazing how that happens. Yeah, weird, right? <laughs> Going in what like you were saying that they build all these giant grand structures and then they get destroyed. And then it kind of reminds you of like, I don't know, like it's done intentionally almost. Yeah. Well, and that's what I think more and more when you look at this, it's, it's almost systematic. And what do they do? They hide the destruction under the veil of wars, 
right? Mm-hmm. If you look at World War II, World War II was essentially just to eliminate the infrastructure in Europe so they could rebuild it and get rid of, and, and that's why I'm, I'm, you know, I've kind of, I haven't changed my stance, but I, I look at the way things were before this industrial age and there was something that was missing, right? That we haven't been told. Um, but at the same time, I feel like that era also, you know, the way I look at it, I feel like technology, there's nothing new ever created. I feel like any technology that we come up with, someone at some point before us had a technology equal or better than what we can produce. Yeah, it's rediscovery, but through different methods. Yeah. Because we're more like tech advanced, like I always mention, where it's like all of ancient people could have been advanced, but in totally different formats. Yeah. And, well, and they've talked about having tablets, right? These these tablets of destiny and things like that, that they would carry. You know, you see those old... Um, uh, pictures where they were always carrying the man purse, the bag, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and some people say they had the tablet of destiny in there, and and that was technology for that day. Were you talking about like all the Anunnaki depictions too, yes. where they are carrying like the little bag that it's always really questionable? Yep, yep, yep. There's some that say those, yeah, that that carried a tablet in it, and and that's why only the powerful could carry that. And you know, it's 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 so it's so interesting. But I, I, you know, so when I look at technology, I'm not sure. I don't know if I, anything is really that new. I, I feel like we could have at one time had it, but there was this uh, not event or secrets of event, but the grid was destroyed. I feel like we were, there's natural. Could have been a cataclysm too. Yes. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, I most mean, of that technology wouldn't last in the aspect of like you bury like half the technology we have now and try to dig it up a couple thousand years later. It's going to be completely like disintegrated and you won't be able to tell what it is, you know, like, yes, the only thing that's lasted is stone. So who knows what the hell else they had with these stones? Yeah. And you think about things like the Carrington event that may or may not have taken place where it was, you know, giant EMPs, which would destroy any, you know, grid, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So you know, you get events, who knows how many events like that happens. You get, you know, mud floods, which are just liquefaction events that usually happen after earthquakes. And we know that that the landscape has changed and it's constantly changing. And what we see today is not the same land that they saw, you know, a thousand, if not, you know, 10,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So... You know, we have to, and, and, and the toughest part is you have to rely on the books, right? The history and who writes the history. And we know for facts that history has been corrupted when it's rewritten and when it's translated, there's, you know, people leave stuff out and un- what's that? That people just leave certain parts out and then they'll translate. Yeah, there's other been, parts. It's been both intentional and unintentional, right? There's people that d- have done it you know, intentionally left stuff out because it doesn't fit their narrative. But then on the other side of it, you have people that just simply mistranslated things, which along the lines will screw up that original text or thought as well. So it's like the telephone game, right? You play, you Mm -hmm. play with your friends and, and, you know, you pass the message along. Well, the message is not going to be the same usually from when it starts to when it finishes. And, and that's just, it's just human error. Dude, even like reading a book too, it's like 
by the time you get to the end of the book, you don't remember every single detail you had from the beginning of the book. So it's like, even if you just read a book, you wouldn't be able to sit there and rewrite that book and have every single intricate detail still in it. You'd be telling it from like your perspective and like what you remember. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's what comes down to a lot of it too, is that like somebody's told something word of mouth or whatever. And it's like, like they remember every single little detail, but they write down all the pieces they do remember. And that's already changing it just off that. And, and whose side of the story is being told, right? Because there's multiple sides to every story. And, and you look back at history, at least from our system, and we're told one side of it, right? For the most part, you go from the, uh, you know, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, then you get Europeans and then you get over here. And it's like, that's, that's what, those are the only people, you know, nothing went on. Yeah, the Chinese were doing their thing over in Asia, but we don't pay much attention to Japanese history or African history or South American history or American history in general, because that didn't start until 1492 when Columbus discovered America, right? But only I mean, half and half, though, because they leave out a lot of detail. It's like you hear about that and then you don't hear about much in the middle and then you hear about 1776 and then yeah. it kind of continues from there on. <laughs> Yeah, you don't hear about what went on for those 300 years, which was basically, right, uh, uh, the European countries trying to figure out how do we control these natives. Land and, grabbing. And, you know, at first they're like, they came over here and they're like, okay, let's see if we can get them to work with us. And we're not going to just, you know, slaughter aimlessly. Let's see if they, they're manageable. And if they're manageable, great, we'll deal with them. If not, well, then we're going to get, have to get our hands dirty. And it turned out they decided they had to get their hands dirty because these people weren't just going to hand over their land and say, yeah, sure. Come do what you want. You crazy white people. Honestly too. And it's like, you look into like the conquistadors, like any, anybody that came to America and it's like, you only hear the good part. You don't hear about all like the fucked up shit they did to take over the land, like slaughtering people. And that like, wasn't theirs. Yeah. yeah. It's not like this land was just open, open fields of, of uninhabited life. It was like, no, these, there were claims made on these lands already. And it just wasn't by people that they recognized. So they didn't care. They saw these as uninhabited lands. But yeah, like, like you're gonna... primitive, like you don't own any rights to anything because yeah, you no. guys are primitive Ooh. and you're not on the same level as us because we're more advanced, as you can see, because we have this technology and we're proper and we're not living off the land and, you know, being nomadic because yeah. most Native American tribes are nomadic, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I'm really interested in the history of this, of this land mass, you know, North America and South America. There's so much history there that's been manipulated and 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 i still think we're the old world if i'm being honest with you i mean i've i've read a couple books that says you know yeah this is the old world that that when they talk and some people that even say this is where they talk about the biblical all the bible stuff happened in north america isn't that where like the mormons and stuff kind of go into it where that's why they believe that like utah is like the sacred land is because it was just like misconceived where the biblical events took place at yeah, that's the whole John Smith story. Yeah, he, he his whole story is that it was basically in America. And there's been a lot of people that have run with it. And, and there's some very interesting arguments, right? And who's to say? What, my biggest thing is, why is this labeled the new world? Right? It's always bothered me that this was the new world. Like everywhere else in the world, there was stuff going on, but not here. And then all of a sudden, some guy came over in a couple boats and then next thing you know, some other people came over in some black suits and had some turkeys with some natives. And all of a sudden, 
next thing we knew it was just boom from east coast to west coast everything was you know we took it over all of it Mm -hmm. and then pushed everybody that was here into like specific areas yeah and people look at the reservations like they're like good things like oh that's awesome they still have their own land but it's like they're only there because they got pushed away from their real land and it was more like all right we're done dealing with you guys so here's all the area you stay there you do what you want there that's your area like fuck it but we're gonna take over everything else around it sorry well and what's it's so what's so comical about the history of that and and i love talking about this because it gets some people that haven't really looked into it much other than what they've been indoctrinated with really triggered when you start you know just pointing out the genocide that was committed you know and you show that listen the natives weren't these savages that they're made out to be they turned into savages when it came down to life or death Mm -hmm. and and you know because Time after time after time, the U.S. would sign these treaties and then break them. I mean, even just look at the drastic change from like when most people came to the United or to North America first, like the natives wanted to help them. And it quickly changed after that. It's like they leave that story out where it's like the pilgrims. The only reason they're able to survive here is because Native Americans taught them which plants you should grow together in order to be able to make it so the plants can thrive. And it's like you hear about that. And then the next thing you hear about is just mass genocide but done in an aspect of like, oh, we're doing something good by taking over this land so that we can live here. But it's like they don't talk about the middle part on like how they went from being these super polite people that were trying to teach these new people how to grow and live here to like, oh, they're primitives, like fuck them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and, and the things that they said about them, like, I mean, it's like they they talk about the, uh, you know, the Indian problem, and that we have to come up with a solution to the Indian problem. It's like, dude, how is that not, how is that any different than what went on in World War II? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, the, that should be regarded as brutal as, but no, we're, that, that guy went on to be president. It's because there's not a second voice that's clear enough that's saying the other side of the story. That's what it comes down to. Yep. So it's like North America, you hear about it from all different countries' perspectives, but the only people that are writing about what happened in North America are the people that settled here. And there wasn't really any story written down and pushed out by the natives. And it's been a little bit, but again, it's like they don't have enough of a, enough of a voice anymore that has gotten so suppressed that like nobody really like heard their side of the story, you know? But I come from like my my grandma's 100% Cherokee so I heard a lot of her side of the story too and different things that got passed down through the family and it's like horrific how much of that shit gets pushed to the side where nobody even acknowledges that it happened well and it's comical that they to think that all these people lived in teepees and were just these nomads like all of them like they none of them built houses and lived off the land and no none of that they were all just yeah certain groups are nomadic but like you know, yeah. look at like the Grand Canyon and like all the areas that are, you know, more like West, like they had settlements that were done in rock and done in clay and all this different shit. And it's like, you don't acknowledge that nearly as much as you do of like, everybody lived on teepees and followed herds of Buffalo. Yeah. They had plantations down South Indians, natives had plantations. Like, you know, like, I mean, come on, it's, it's just, but it's like we say, it's, it's part of the, that, that's my show, the great deception. We've we've been sold a lot of things, whether it's in the health industry, you know, pharmaceuticals, whether it's in um, education, whether it's in politics, you know, 
everything, advertising, your movies, your television, your music industry, it's all been corrupted. Mm-hmm. And you're now, it's all a tool now for the machine. And you have to be careful because it will, it's forcing you to, to try to go down this one avenue. Just and, even in music, look how much dividing it causes, where it's like certain people will take on music as like their full personality and then they'll fight with other people that like other types of music just because they like something different. Like that's polarizing yep. just off of that. Yeah. Oh, let alone what the music does to people, the effect that it has based on the frequency and things like that. Like that's a huge thing, how they they co-opted the frequency where all music used to be played at 432 hertz. And then they decided, oh, you know, this is this is doing good for the human body. Of course, our, our friends over in the Nazis, they uh, found out that 440 would agitate a little bit, disorientate. And so music, all of a sudden, the standard under the uh, good old Rockefeller music standard went to 440. And Dude, my question of, is what came first in the aspect of music now where it has this very sad, depressed vibe to it. Is it sad and depressed because people are sad and depressed and that's what they're writing? Or was it intentionally sad and depressed before so that it pushes the agenda of like depression and like, you know, bad mental health because they it's, don't want people to be in a good frequency? It's propagating it. Look mm-hmm. at the grunge movement of the early 90s, right? I mean, you look at Nirvana and and, and groups like that and that's, that's and what that's when bringing. the government was making money off of heroin and shit too. Ironically, I always like to point it out that the grunge scene happened because the government was pushing yeah. heroin. <laughs> that was it. It was a giant. It was the it was the uh, Grateful Dead of the two of the nineties. You know, the Grateful Dead was all pushing the LSD and the acid and everything like that. This was straight heroin. Was the grunge era, and then hip hop was pushing the crack back in the eighties. Yep. Yep. yep, and that's what it is. It's all a front. And, and these guys are just actors that they put out there, you know, they're puppets and, and they, some end up paying with their life, but it's amazing how they do it over and over. It's just, it's, they use everything for a tool. And if you're not aware of it, you can be taken advantage of. And that's what, you know, got me is I got wrapped into the medical industry and realized that they were just trying to milk me for every dollar they could get out of me. And it wasn't about my health and me getting healthy. It was about keeping me in the system and making, putting a bandaid on like a bullet wound, you know, so to speak. I've been telling my dad that for years, like he's stuck in the medical community whole thing where he's not part of the medical community, but every single time I talk to him, he thinks that there's something wrong with him. He has to go get tests on this. He has to do that. There's this wrong. And every single time there's nothing wrong with him. And it's like, he doesn't listen to my show. Even that's why you got to tell him a long time, but like, yeah, he's just he's stuck in that shit and he's never going to get out of it because he thinks he needs pills to go to sleep and shit now, you know? And that's what you, you're like, hey, dad, listen, you know, do you understand that if you don't do all this shit, they don't make all this money? And what if they ever found anything, it would be different, but they never find anything. I've had that so many times. Oh, this is a scare for this. This is a scare for that. No, 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 no. We need to get blood work for that. We need to know because you're just you're just trying to milk the system. Every single time I talk to him, he thinks he has cancer and he has to get a new test for that. And then every single time he never has it. But again, just well, money and that's they another thing. All these tests. They, they get it in your head and you can you can almost literally manifest it. You know, like you can put yourself in a frequency where you're almost just going to will it to happen. 
because you put yourself in that mindset that you're so scared of it, so scared of it that you think about it, think about it, I, you know, because I know people on the opposite end that have or not know, but I've read stories of people on the opposite end that, that essentially cured themselves by thought, right, by, by just willing themselves through it because you know you think about that that the the people that doctors tell them they have like two days to live man that's it i'm done i get two days to live well now if you know if he tells you you got 60 days to live and you live for a hundred well that doctor is a miracle because he kept you alive for an extra 40 days right Mm -hmm. and so it's all these little games they play but in the end what are they they are just pharmaceutical salesmen they are not doctors anymore because they, they don't care about your health. They care about you getting into the system and being a repeat customer. And what is that? That's a drug dealer. Dude, I had an issue with him too, where, uh, well, there's, first of all, there's the whole flu shot thing where every single year he gets his flu shot and he tells me I should get mine and I never get mine and he gets his and he gets the flu every year. But it was especially hard with him through COVID because uh, I was going to go over there for Christmas when COVID first happened. And he was like, oh, you guys got to wear masks. Hopefully you're vaccinated. I'm like, no, like, I'm sorry. Like, I know you're my dad, but like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Like I have yeah, no. a stand and I'm coming over to your house for a holiday to eat dinner and shit with you. Like, I'm not going to wear a fucking mask in your house. So I didn't end up seeing him like in person for like two years until he finally chilled out with it. And it wasn't until recently that he stopped wearing the masks at home. But my dad's coming from like somebody like me that has a podcast like this. Like my dad's still one of those people that's wearing masks in public. <laughs> yeah, but he's in that 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 boomer age group almost you know there's that that's that authority age group where it was after the the hippie movement where everybody started trusting the government you know they they scared it out of them and I'm, i mean i don't know I, I was pretty disappointed to find out that my that my, my mom had gotten it and uh and she didn't want to but she said she had to and I was like, ah, you don't have to do anything. But, you know, when you and then had some health issues related to it directly thereafter, which, of course, is a coincidence. It's, there's no correlation there. Like sudden death syndrome. That's that's a total coincidence. Yeah, right? it's normal. <laughs> like all these healthy athletes in their 20s that are just dying of natural causes. I mean, that's very, very normal. And actually, I saw a stat on that the other day. Uh, actually, it was just before here about something about that how the average uh you know athlete death between i believe it was like 20 and 35 is there's like 29 in a in a year or something like that and we're already at like 475 this year yeah like that's totally normal yeah <laughs> so guess to start wrapping up the show since it's starting to get late uh i always like to do words of wisdom from the guests the listeners so if you could you know bestow any words of wisdom on the listeners what would it be question everything right that's that's the kind of the motto on my show and that's that's where i stand nowadays right um too many people in this world nowadays want to worship idols they want someone else to to idolize or or someone else to save them you know we went through the whole trump worship we go through the politician worship the worst is the hollywood worship Mm -hmm. right these people that you got matt 
Matthew McConaughey pushing gun control. You got Ben Affleck in a, in a, or not Ben Affleck, Ben Stiller in a That's war zone meeting with President Zelensky. I mean, come on, guys. Calling him his hero, too. Cause that yeah, was, he walks up like, and goes, You're my hero. I mean, if, but that's the, the that's the show they're presenting to us, right? And they they there are people that worship these people. So, you know, you gotta you gotta question everything. And 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 what I say is is when I see these stories, right? I always flip it, think the absolute opposite of it, and go into it trying to prove it the other way. And if you can't, well, then it, it probably sticks. But if you can, you know right away you there's something there. And so I, you know, yeah, what you have to understand is everything can be a deception nowadays, right? You need better bullshit meters because yeah. the bullshit meters kind of went away. <laughs> and, and, and people die on hills of things that don't affect them, right? That they've never seen with their own two eyes. That's never impacted their life. And we have to get away from the, the notion or the idea that we know things. We don't know anything, really. We have some beliefs, but to actually know anything means you had to have experienced it or witnessed it yourself. Otherwise, you're just taking someone else's interpretation or someone else's knowledge and now made it yours. So you you believe that. And that's where we have to get because too many people are set on the this this I know, I know. When when in reality, they don't we don't know shit, man. I've been doing this research, like deep research now for probably three, almost four years. Uh, I started with like Twitter. Um, I don't even know what you call them anymore. Threads. Mm-hmm. Right? I'd put together these, you know, hundred dot PowerPoint threads that I would put on Twitter. And, you know, and the more I research, the more I learn, the less I really know. Dude, there's you know? a lot of great philosophers who said lines a lot around that of like, you never will start to understand things until you realize, you know, nothing. Yeah. Like, and once you understand that you, you laugh at these people who say they know because they're either lying or full of shit. Dude, right? getting into this community, you have to almost like unlearn what you learned in public school to really be able to understand anything. Otherwise you instantly have that blocker of not wanting to hear anything out because you're just so indoctrinated into that method of thought. So and I agree. Other- Question everything. <laughs> yeah. And, and take the emotion out of it. Right. Why can't we just have a discussion without emotion? Because once you bring emotion in, rational discussion goes out the window. And we're the only animal we know of on this entire planet that's capable of actually sitting down and having a discussion. So, like, why don't we use what we have, you know, for good rather than trying to be primitive and fighting amongst each other? You know, like you can sit down and discuss shit. So let's do it. Absolutely. It's the most powerful tool, you know, communication. And that's why, you know, if you think back that that's why language you know, they, they created so many languages because we can't communicate as one. Now we are disoriented. We are meant, you know, I think the human species and on the, everything on this planet is meant to work together. And one way that they break that connection is with language. And we can't all communicate. Like, I mean, think about nature, everything in nature communicates with each other. Can you imagine if you could tell everything that the Russian news was saying, like how different pers- people's perspective would be on everything yep. that's going on, hearing both sides of that story? Yeah. And, and, and what do we have to do? You can go and watch a translator, but you don't know which side is translating it. Is the Ukrainian side or is it the Russian side? Mm-hmm. Because they're going to twist the words a little bit to make it say what they want it to say to push their agenda. So you're absolutely right. That's a great example right there. 
Um, so I guess I always like to wrap up the show too, for all the listeners that, you know, enjoy this conversation. Uh, where would they come and find you at? Yeah. Uh, you can find me. My main spot is, uh, Instagram. You can find me at the great deception podcast. You have to type in the great deception. And when you get to about P or pod, it'll finally pop up there. Um, and on my page, I got, I got a link tree. You can find my YouTube page, which is the great deception podcast. I got a Patreon, uh, out there where I got a couple tiers where you can make contributions to the show. Um, and I got some merch out there as well. So go check that out. It's all under the great deception podcast. You can find it just about anywhere. Uh, anchor is, is the home, but I got it on Apple, Spotify, all the major platforms. Yeah. And I'll, uh, add it into the description too, for anybody that wants to go and check his stuff out. I'll add his link tree and all that fun stuff. So, um, I appreciate you making the time to come on today, man. This has been a great conversation. Oh, definitely, man. Likewise. I know how hectic it is, you know, being, being a dad these days and, and a podcaster is not easy. Yeah. It comes down to is I look forward to both sides. I really enjoy spending time with my kids and I also really enjoy podcasting. So it's like, you got to find that balance because a lot of people get lost in being a parent, which is okay. But then it's like, what are you going to do when your kids grow up? Like you have to always keep yourself intact so that when your kids are eventually gone one day, you're not just lost and don't know what to do. Cause all you've been doing is taking care of your kids for 20 years, you know? Absolutely, man. This is therapeutic dude. And, and, exactly. and we get to have great conversations and I get to meet cool people like you. So it's all worth it. Saying we can't have these normal, these conversations in our normal, normal life for the most part. And it's like, we have a lot more variety of people we can discuss ideas with. So it always makes it fun and worth it. Definitely. But, uh, to all the listeners that are still sticking around, uh, I appreciate you coming and listening to the show and, uh, hope you have a great night and I'll catch you on the next one. Bye, everybody.